everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I am one half of Funnaby Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games. And I'm here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig. Hello, Jess. I'm Craig Campbell. I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games, uh, and I also make tabletop role-playing games. And we are here meeting with uh, uh, Liana, who I believe has a job for us, right? we got a job, something to, to go on. That's the plan for today. <laughs> bit of a job yeah we're gonna we're gonna break in and we're gonna steal the the forbidden uh and nda secured documents that <laughs> the future of our industry <laughs> oh my gosh now that that is a zine quest game uh but before we start talking about our topic for today liana tell us a little bit about yourself hi there uh my name is leon mckenzie i am the um uh, founder co-owner doer of everything of Valorous Games. Uh, we make uh, Valor, a anime-inspired tabletop RPG. Uh, I'm also a host on the Asians Represent podcast, which talks about Asian representation in media, tabletop RPGs, uh, and things like that. And I'm super happy to be back. I always enjoy talking with you guys. Yeah, happy to have you back. And now that we've gotten the team together, Craig, <laughs> Craig yeah. what are we talking about today? Today we're going on a heist. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about GMing heist scenarios or heist-focused games, if you want to take the heist scenario and string it out into, like, we're going to have many, many heists. And just uh, kind of talk about things that we as a GM can do to incorporate and kind of build cool and fun and interesting heists, especially, um, you know, kind of playing off of some of the tropes and, under, you know, understandings and and. Uh, I hate to say cliches, but they're cliches of heists and things that people recognize, like the things that people like to see in heist stories. Um, and then also, like, you know, we can potentially hit on to, like, how do you keep that fresh if you're going to have a game that kind of does that over and over? Because, like, for example, we know that, like, if you run a game that's very combat oriented, you're always looking for new monsters, new villains, new superpowers, new tech to be to be going up against because you want to keep the, the combats interesting and new. Um, and if you're going to do a heist oriented game with a series, with a whole series of heist adventures, you kind of got to spend some time making those things new and interesting too. Yeah. I, I think, um, I'd like to get started with what Liana's thoughts are on this. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I've actually written, I've written a few heists in my time. Um, one of which is actually publicly available on my, on, uh, our Valorous Games website and is probably one of my favorite adventures that I've ever written ever. Uh, and also has like some of the best art of like three of the party members, like putting on a faux stage performance while the other two are fleeing a horde of guards, holding a gem as big as both of them. So going in, like understanding as a GM sort of what the elements are. So if you are running a heist, uh, one, hopefully your players are into this. Um, if they are, you should expect uh, probably one entire session dedicated to scouting, uh, where the, the players will be seeking information, making plans, figuring out sort of what, what they're going to do. And then in the next section, you know, the heist begins to execute. Usually in heist media, it's kind of that television trope, right? Where if you see them planning it out on screen, then it's going to go wrong. Whereas if you don't see them plan it out, uh, then it's just going to go off perfectly and you just get to see that perfect execution. Typically, 
for me, uh, because I'm trying to engage players, I always take the first approach where it is, uh, they're going to have a meticulous plan. And I want to let some of that work, like some of that should go okay. But I also want to have some wrenches to throw in there to make them improvise on their feet, to make them respond, to make them figure things out and have to adapt to the situation. Uh, since that's where a lot of a lot of the fun of gameplay will come in is, oh crap, our plan didn't go go right. What are we going to do to salvage this? Other major factors are things like communication. How regularly or how frequently and how securely can they communicate with each other? Uh, location, are you splitting the party? I know this is a cardinal rule of, of your traditional TTRPGs to not split the party, but should you? And if you do split the party, can they see, can the two parties see what's going on? Are you like sending people out of the room to run part of it? If you are, how are you entertaining the people that you send out of the room? Do you have the Smash Brothers on the Switch in the other room so they can, you know, or <laughs> something like, these are all things you need to think about. One, to make the sequence feel good and, and that sort of cinematic sense. Like if someone's running a heist, they want to be that Ocean's Eleven or, you know, James Bond or whatever. They want to have that cool heist sequence. You got you got to keep it engaging. You want to, you know, make sure there's a lot of fun gameplay. Like there's a lot of moving parts and moving elements. So you have to have a really good plan. I know for me, what I, what I tend to do is I tend to, I'll map out like a facility. I'll know where everything in that facility is. I'll know the guard patterns. I'll know how they'll respond in emergency scenarios. Uh, usually I'll have um, what I call meters, uh, which is a big Valor mechanic where like the, the more, the higher the detection meter gets up, like the more the security uh, progresses and steps up. Um, and then from there, because I have that all planned out, it's very easy for me, for me to fluidly react and then challenge the players to fluid re fluidly react to my reactions and have that kind of that chain going down the line. Yeah, I think like the plan, like you're saying, the reaction to a plan that players have meticulously played out while knowing something is going to go wrong is so fun to do when you're jamming a heist, but it is a lot of work. You do have to know a lot about like you're, you're much more playing a world or a setting in that time than you are playing NPCs and characters a lot. Um, while you want to make things realistic and fun for the players, that means you don't want to give them everything that they had planned out. Otherwise, that's just not as fun. Part of the fun of a heist is thinking that something has gone wrong and fixing it. I mean, that's although, although I will part. say a, a fun thing to do is wait a bit before things start to go wrong. Yes. Re really make them nervous before they, uh, before they understand exactly how, how sideways it's actually going. <laughs> I, I think the implicit understanding of, of the players often from watching heist media in general will be the understanding that something is going to go wrong. It's just a question of when and who is going to be on the front lines to deal with it. Um, and I think that in the heist scenarios, you, you most often see very explicit roles for the characters. Every character has a thing they do really well. And they're, the thing that they're doing is going to be instrumental to the heist being pulled off successfully. So that's one of the, for me, that's one of the toughest things to make sure to GM uh, properly is to like, everybody need, there, there needs to be something that happens that everybody gets a moment in the spotlight that like, 
you know, the, the tough guy's got to take somebody out physically. The social person has to talk something out of somebody. The infiltrator has to get in somewhere. Um, you know, everybody has to, the computer hacker has to hack something and it's just, a, you know, like, and all those pieces start moving and you start cutting between the different things that are happening. And it's a question of, you know, like, when is the thing going to go wrong? Who's going to be the one who has to deal with it? Is it the hacking that goes wrong? Is it, you know, taking out the guard that's going to go wrong? And who's there to help to deal with that in the moment? Because you made the comment, Liana, about splitting the party. Um, I personally, and it it takes some work, but I am a huge fan of splitting the party for heists. Oh, absolutely. Um, because totally it ups agree. the it ups the stakes in such a dramatic way. And just trusting the players to role play ignorance of things that are going on or giving them, you know, occasionally giving them the out of like, oh, they all have little earpieces in and they can hear what's going on with the other characters. So like if somebody somebody knows that um Jess's character is the social a weasel character who's trying to, you know, like going to talk somebody up in the hallway and make sure that they don't get down to that room too soon because the other characters need to go in there and do something. Um, like if suddenly they're, they're hearing Jess, like, and they're hearing footsteps that just never stop and the people are just keep walking toward that room. It, it, it ramps things up. Right. Um, and Jess is on the hook to figure out how to deal with that. Or if it starts to get really dire, then like, that's the great moment where somebody else comes in and finds an alternate solution to that particular problem or comes in and upstages Jess at what Jess can do really well um, and saves her bacon, <laughs> which happens sometimes too. Um, and then those roles and everybody's, you know, there's going to come a point where something's going to go wrong. It's a question of when you can, as the GM, you can kind of help plan for that by like some of the role, some of the things are going to be easier to do. Some of the things are going to be harder to do so that you can have those moments where some characters breeze through their um their initial you know component that they have to contribute to the heist and other characters are you know somebody's going to bone a roll and it's going to go badly or you can introduce a, a different complication and then when you go from camp you know from adventure to adventure you can switch that up like this time it's going to be the social character is going to have the toughest job this time the hacker is going to have the toughest job I think like splitting the party is almost essential for a heist game. Like you, the, the great thing about the heist, like you said, Craig, is that everyone has their own like role in the heist and you want to showcase that. And sometimes the best way to showcase that is by giving people either like singular scenes where they're alone in the spotlight or like small group scenes where they can really show off what they're doing better. I think that's a trope that you see in almost every, I can't think of a heist film that doesn't do that in some way. Um, even in like the introductions for characters. My husband always says that his favorite part of any movie is getting the group together. It's his favorite thing ever. And I love that too about a heist <laughs> movie too. And those, those getting the team together, there's usually a scene where you see that character do something really cool by themselves to say, hey, this is what this person is. Here's their thing. Sometimes you have in heist, like you'll have pairs of characters like the twins or like, and you'll have them be working together like that. But um, unless it is kind of that group dynamic in that way, you should allow your players, if they want to do a heist, allow them to have their their heist moment i'm thinking um what is the, the movie is bullet train where there it's kind of a heisty movie um i watched that recently um and there there's like a pair character um but they kind of act like one character almost and yeah there's a lot um 
I'm, I'm trying to go through my my cache of heist movies and think if there's ever a heist movie I've seen where they haven't given a scene where you get to see them in action before the heist. It's very important to establishing the character and establishing their capabilities. Uh, Craig alluded to it, but something I do I do like to do, um, and I, I personally think it's imperative is you. I want to. I always want to have challenges come up where in addition to having their own thing that they're super good at, they, they are going to have to lean on each other mm-hmm. um, to emphasize the team aspect. Like a lot of the, a lot of the heist setups, right. Are like, you are all specialists in your particular field. So if we all do this perfectly, it'll go right. But the, that doesn't, that doesn't alone make a good team dynamic. The, the team dynamic comes from when these people are actually forced to collaborate and work together where they can't just exist in their own silos. And just do their job perfectly and then everything goes off it's the fact that they do in fact need to rely on people and that they have weaknesses that other party members can cover i also like talking about the communication i love i love doing communication with a twist like for the thespian heist adventure i mentioned earlier um the whole setup is it's inspired by the final fantasy 9 opening sequence where they're uh putting on a fake stage play to kidnap the princess basically um so the way I set it up is like half the party pretty much needs to be on stage for the entire thing, putting on a performance and keeping the nobles entertained while the rest of the party cases the joint. Um, I have them connected by microphone, but the people on stage can no. only give That's instructions so as part of their dramatic performance. <laughs> That's so if they amazing. Hear something, That's if they brilliant. hear something going wrong in like the heist thing, they can try and say things to like tip them off since they can also see the audience and they can see like the nobles and keep an eye on them. They can try and tip them off, but they have to do so in a way that is still makes sense in the play that they're putting on. That's brilliant. That's a great twist. And then the people off stage can communicate whichever way they want. Right. Oh, I Absolutely. love that. I, I love that aspect of the duplicity of a heist where there there always is some sort of trickery going on and you have to keep up this front that nothing is going wrong because if you otherwise if otherwise it's just a robbery otherwise it's just a burglary a heist implies that you want to make it seem like nothing is happening at all you don't you don't want the you don't want the person to know they've been robbed until after they've been robbed exactly and having the the secondary things happening can be character driven as well. Like for 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 this sort of discussion, I can you know everything we would ever probably talk about. I could point out in Ocean's Eleven. Um, Ocean's Eleven is about stealing a bunch of money from um, from Benedict, but it's ultimately about Danning winning the girl back. Um, it's about you know like that's his goal. His goal is like to stick it in Benedict's eye, but also to get Tess back, to oh, win yeah. her, her affection back. Um, and you don't know that until three, quarter, three quarters, you know, 90% of the way through the movie. And there's other little story things that are going on there. Like, you know, uh, Matt Damon's character, Linus, is he's the like the new kid. He's there to like prove himself. And the, the Danny is kind of like, eh, I don't know if you're the right person for the job. And we see him pickpocketing and he's good at it. Um, and then when, 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 like, arguably it's him, it's, it's his situation is the one that is the, like, perhaps the tensest and where the most goes wrong or has the potential to go wrong. Um, 
And that's, you know, because he's the new, the new, the, the, you know, the young and the young thief. Um, And so you can, you know, encourage that in the players to like have a role, not only what you're good at, but what, like you are, what you are character wise. Are you like the old hand that's come out of retirement and trying to teach the young bucks something Um, and have that blow up in your face occasionally and, and, and have character development off of that? Or you're, do you have a character that has a love interest that they're constantly trying to win back or. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, and then if, if only so, I stole better. Yeah. Well, still love me. All, all the high <laughs> stuff is going on. All the high stuff is going on. But ultimately, the people, the, the characters are human or elf or dwarf or whatever. Right. And they have like needs and wants and, and you know, like that's all that stuff gets muddy. That's what makes some of the best heist uh, stories is when the overall goal of what they're doing as a team is endangered by somebody's individual goal. I love a hidden motivation. And I think that's something you can do as a GM really easily. This, this is especially great for a one shot where uh, like you could either give them a secret motivation like you. Yes, you're here. You're after you're trying to steal the Mona Lisa, but you are in love with this sculpture uh, that's across the Louvre. You need you want that secretly. Or you are, your secret thing is you're trying to impress this other member of the gang. Like having them have those secret motivations can provide a lot of those complex twists. And they can be kind of open too. I think that's one of the things that I didn't like so much about Now You See Me, the magician heist movie that I really liked about the second one was that the first one motivations were pretty straightforward. Um, There wasn't any like infighting in the group but in the second one there was a little bit more of that and i really liked that character dynamic i think it kind of leveled it up a bit a regular heist is fine but getting a little bit more of that character drama makes it feel like a heist yeah honestly i think i think having those additional motivations is very important especially if you're setting up kind of more of a one-shot heist thing um if you've got a party that's been working together for a long time, obviously, and if you are doing a continuous heist thing, um, in theory, that's all sorted out. But I still, I would still personally recommend is to give every everyone, all characters should have that, but have it be kind of a ticking time bomb where it won't come up in every heist. Mm-hmm. But sometime during the middle of a mission, there is going to be an opportunity for it to come up. And you don't know who it's going to be for, and you don't know which mission it's going to be in. But for this long-running party, it's like, all right, who, who's whose who's turn gonna... is it to screw this up yeah. for everybody? <laughs> yeah, your like your character has a thing. Like, if you see a handsome man, like you can't stop yourself from having to flirt with this person, and it's not going to come. There's not always going to be a beautiful himbo uh, around, but every once in a while. That's going to mess some stuff up. I love it. <laughs> and and as a GM, have fun with that sort of thing. As an example, if you've got four characters in the group, character A, B, C, and D, and you run four adventures, the first time it's character B's thing, the second time it's character C's thing, the third time it's character A's thing, everybody's going to expect character D is due. Like it's going to, it's your turn to mess this up. Wait to make it character D's thing until like the seventh adventure. Um, don't, you know, like, you know, make, make character A be the problem twice in a row or something. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, don't make it because if there's anything that a good heist is, it's not predict or isn't, it's not predictable. Um, and so like, 
be be very wary about like just going from adventure to adventure like we we don't, we don't want to be predictable about anything don't use the same um twist too often don't use don't have the same character be the problem too often don't have the hacker be the person who constantly fails like make sure that the hacker gets chances to succeed otherwise the characters are going to be like well why the hell do we have this hacker in the group like like let's get somebody else this person clearly not very good at what they do and as a player that's also super frustrating like if right. you're yeah. constantly failing and you're especially if you're the only one like i'm gonna start asking questions like so does the gym have it out for me should i even be here <laughs> Um, so you definitely don't want to do that. And, and, and that kind of goes back to the initial point of no matter what every heist you do, every character should have a chance to singularly shine. Again, like I said, I like to, I like to also force moments of good teamwork, but you want every character to feel like they, they had that opportunity to really contribute and do something cool in their idiom. Yeah. I think a great moment for that teamwork is like at the end, like the climax moments of your games, the really important moves. But I would never hesitate to let someone have the spotlight when they want it, share it, I should say. Oh yeah, absolutely. And really by the, by the time the climax comes, like everything should have fallen apart and gone to <laughs> shit. So, yeah. um, so everyone has to use their, their individual specialties to get out of the mess that they've gotten themselves into. Something I was thinking about too with this topic was, um, you know, if you're doing this as a campaign is like, we, uh, like what, like I've been talking about is varying it up and varying like what you're, what you're heisting, what you're, what the goal of the heist is. Um, and that can be as simple as like, it's an object or it's information or it's a person. Um, but there, the heist outside of like, if you equate it with stealing something, there's more to it than that. The heist is a framework of a job that's usually time sensitive you usually only get like one chance at it. The idea is that like, if you, if you screw up that somebody's going to lock stuff down, it's going to be very, very difficult to try again. Um, and it struck me that that structure is there in the movie inception. Inception is very much a heist movie, although they are literally doing the opposite of heisting. They are implanting, you know, they're out to make somebody come up with an idea and think that it was their own idea. But that, you know, like stopping an event or delaying an event or causing an event or getting somebody to come up with an idea uh, to, or to, to getting someone to take a particular course of action. Um, those are all things that you can have as the goal of this structure. I, I like that Inception has that secret motivation to Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's character as well that provides the main conflict really of the story that I feel like that the conflict with his spoilers his dead wife is it's it's a christopher nolan movie you know that there's a dead wife in it uh gotta toss that woman right into the fridge um like i like that that is really the the crux of the of the plot there um i think also like what you said craig it is a job um when you like the heist is a job and that means that like, yeah, maybe the characters are mostly doing it for themselves, but the motivation of the overall job itself is super important. And that might mean the person that has asked them to do the job can be like the, the core NPC for you as the GM to really focus on the characterization of, um, to give a little bit of flavor to the overall heist and like 
their own motivations can also interfere with the heist. Maybe even that NPC shows up during the heist doing their own thing. Maybe that NPC has secret motivations as well. So that's a place where you can also play around with like the, the motivation of the person asking them to steal or implant or whatever it is. Especially if that person chooses to at some point sell them out. Yes, yes. There's, yes. <laughs> I love it. There's, there's the yeah, the whole we were we've been we've been dancing all around a lot a lot of different ways to introduce complications and having the 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 um the employer have their own agenda and either insert themselves into it to accomplish something on their own or straight up betray them um is useful. And then, you know, like there's a, a good kind of you know when the heist is done or near done, it's the best heist stories there's especially if you know there's going to be ongoing campaign is there's um there's complications there's things that happen that are going to make future things difficult maybe they're they're going to get what they want but not quite the way they wanted it or they're going to get what they want but not all of it um they're gonna get what they want but they also have this other problem they now have to deal with um and so introducing that sort of thing as part of a complication that comes about from the heist or from the employer or from whoever it is you're stealing from or whatever, the law enforcement, um, that that then gives you an extra layer of stakes that the characters have to deal with at the next adventure um, and per- potentially, you know, potentially eventually solve that one. And then that gets replaced by a different problem. Um, and so there's always like uh, another something there's something else that's overlaid everything and other than could, the specific job that could be another npc opportunity for you too as the gm like the person like the the authority figure who is trying to stop their heists like on their trail all the time or the the other thief who keeps meddling in and that could even be like what an enemy of like like an old friend or maybe even a former colleague of, of their heist group. Um, there are lots of opportunities for you to create some more bombastic NPCs that really help amp up the flavor of a heist, particularly if you are making it an ongoing thing. Like if you're playing Blades of the Dark, for example, you want that ongoing kind of feel, this continuity. And a great way to do that is by having recurring enemies or um, frenemies within the group this this is so this actually makes me think of um because i'm an anime girl uh lupon lupon yes. the third um because it lupon does a very good job of having that and you can kind of build that organically as uh in your long-running campaign as characters grow in skill and reputation things start to happen like eventually they'll acquire as an igata who is constantly chasing them um the level of comp- competence you know can can vary since Zenigod is very much this like Inspector Clouseau-esque to use the Pink Panther as an example kind of this bumbling idiot um, but then you've also got like the Fujiko Mine type or the you know that constant wrench um, Catwoman I think comes to mind in, in the Batman mythos who's always like are you helping me? Are you not helping me? Both? I don't know. So yeah uh it's good uh, for the long running campaigns. You want to kind of build up that reputation, um, build up, flesh out that world of uh, NPCs that they're going to continue to encounter, so that they they know the players, they know who who might be showing up, and they don't have to show up all the time. Um, 
but if they have certain expectations that certain wrenches are going to come from certain characters that always makes things interesting and then you can also throw wrenches of like having those characters be co-opted by someone else's agenda so for example say the zenigata type the inspector gets orders from above and acts in a way that you wouldn't expect um, that can also be a good wrench um, build build familiarity but keep cycling things through making it fresh making it interesting making the unexpected happen because that's really where a lot of the meat of a heist adventure comes from is dealing with that unexpected challenge i'm glad that you brought up lupin the third um because i i like that they take the character of lupin who is this, this french like this 1800s french character who is a thief but by himself really um, a gentleman thief by himself, but Lupin the Third, they have a cast of characters that all work together on the heist. And that's really key to seeing like that, that friend dynamic. Um, but they still took some of those elements from the original stories, like Ganimar is the name of the, of the um, detective in the Lupin stories. Uh, and he's not in every story. He's not there all the time, but he's there at some of those crucial moments. And that's, just like um, uh, just like in the anime, those are the moments that are sometimes the most, the highest stakes and the most fun right, because they're callbacks. Mm-hmm. I love Lupin the Third. <laughs> Such a good, you should, everyone should go watch it. Stop this well, podcast, they, they, go watch. <laughs> they, they put out the new movie recently and that was, that was honestly, that was a lot of fun. That's a great entry point into the, the Lupin. It has some great like kind of CG animation, um, very expressive. They do a lot with the characters. You know, you get to see like, oh, I'm on Choppa bus in half. <laughs> like, it's, it's a good time. I, I, those are my favorite kinds of heists. I'm not like a super big fan of a very serious. I, I need a little bit of humor. I need a little bit of fun. Um, but that's just like the kind of media I like to consume anyway. Maybe yeah, and, you. And, and, and honestly, I agree. Like that's <clears throat> that's a lot of what makes a heist fun like um another anime i watched recently was the great pretender um which is kind of more that type b where you don't get the whole plan until the end after it goes off but like the characters are fun they have a good dynamic they're all like horrible people who are constantly like one-upping each other um but also it's like stealing from horrible people so you you need you need that good like bit of humor bit of intrigue occasional like holy crap what just happened uh all of that is very important to capturing that essential feel of the heist so what about designing a heist game because there's a lot we've talked about a lot with our gming there's so much that can go into it all these complications how can we as designers foster a a a play style that allows for all these complications and backstabbing and and NPCs that keep coming back and meddling with you. How can we do that? Planning, lots of planning. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't make it hard. But and, um, as soon, and as soon as you start designing, everything goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's honestly that's a good point. Is design as if it were a heist. Plan for everything and anticipate that things are going to go off the rails. And we were kind of talking about that earlier with the idea of. But like I mentioned, when I do it, I'll have the entire compound mapped. Um, Maybe not like the individual spaces if I don't think I'm going to need them, but I'll at least have the areas and the zones figured out like, 
if they go through this door, this is going to go to like the throne room. And if they go through this door, it's going to go to the Imperial Gardens or whatever. Um, so I always have the zones map. So I know, I know kind of what important rooms there are uh, and why they're there. You know, you want to make sure that the, you want to make sure that the location makes sense. Um, and then from there, you can use that location to kind of figure out what's going on in each of these individual locations. So as they make their way through the areas, you can you can see sort of organically, all right, so they're in the gardens right now and they just tipped over a statue and it broke. So who's close enough to the gardens to hear that? And what are their, what are their guard routines? Uh, what are they supposed to do if something like that happens? All right, now now I know all of these things because I planned that ahead. So I can respond organically to what they just did. And, you know, maybe like the guards from the guards room uh, just next door are going to come rushing in. But like the chef doesn't care because they're making five bucks an hour and it's not their problem. All kinds of different complications. But just it's it's knowing knowing what what everybody's deal is beforehand so you can figure things out uh, as they go and honestly like that works really well for me because that is my my jam style is i like to just come into a circumstance where i know all of the npc's motivations i know what their jobs are um i know what they're generally trying to accomplish in any given scene uh and then i just let the pcs go into it and I, because I know these characters, these NPCs that I've built, I can have them organically react. It reminds me a lot about like designing mystery games where you have to kind of know as the designer, a lot of the background. So the GM can be very familiar with a lot of the background because really you're providing tools for the GM. In my opinion, the way I design, I'm designing tools for the GM first and right. foremost, so they can, they can make a good time for the players too. Um, and it's, there's a lot, a lot of planning. I think you can focus on a couple of the things that you really like. If it's overwhelming, like if you really like the part of the heist where, where things go wrong, you can focus, you can start with mechanics there. Like how do you resolve when things go wrong? What happens and, and build out from there. And the whole game could even be just about that one thing and everything else can be more narrative if that's, if that's what you want to go for. Or if you really like the getting the team together, maybe the game is about that part of the heist and, and really nothing else. Um, and, and just starting from those, those places can make it easier. Little, little bite-sized chunks as you're developing a whole game. I, I think speaking to Liana's comments about um, keeping track of all that information, having the GM being able to keep track of like all these locations and the people and how they, uh, what their interrelationships are, is you could, for, as a designer, come from the, the point of view of like, the, the first thing you might look at is like as a, a GMing section that help that provides some, a framework that's unique to your game that allows the the, the, the GM to keep track of that stuff in an easy way. It could be like, well, here's like, We'll, we'll give you a blank page at, you know, it's a blank page with a, a template at the end of the book or whatever that like, and, and this is how you use it. And here's like how you lay out different locations and you've got little spots to fill in NPCs and, and goals and complications. Um, and little, you could almost do it like, like there could be flow charts. I mean, it could be like flow chart style of just, you know, like this place to this, this place to that. Um, 
and uh um or or you know it could look like you know the the police murder board where you just got like all the little note you know like little cards with notes and information and things are connected to other things with strings and stuff you could do things like that i don't recommend that for polish adventures though that's a bit much for a for a gm to be like oh god it's this this like conspiracy theory line board i gotta parse i'm, I'm out it, i'm not buying yeah, this one it could be it could but it could be four or five cards right absolutely of just like important items important notes about the about this particular adventure are you know here are the the key elements and how they're connected like if this goes wrong that spirals off this one if this goes wrong it doesn't really affect this one like just being able to keep track of those types of things um so that when you're in the moment as the gm the the designer has given you the tool to be like Okay, so I know when I know if, if this part of the heist goes wrong, if, the, if they fail their their skill check here, it's going to spiral this person's problem. This this other the, the other piece this other PC is going to have a harder time because of this. I, I like that you mentioned cards. Actually, something I would I would recommend doing just from a, like a logistics technical standpoint um, is if you have these zones, right? If you've broken up an area into a bunch of rooms, have a set of cards that the GM can print out for each of those rooms. So they can set their deck face down and then be like, okay, so this is this is the foyer, this is the garden, this is whatever. Uh, and then when, um, when, when the PCs are in an area in which it might be relevant, they can just pick up those cards, look through them. They've got that information on hand in very nice bite-sized chunks. And then when they're not there, they can just you know, pop them face down again, the, the name of the rooms on the back. So they've always got that, but they can set it aside, not have to worry about that part. Um, that's, that sounds an awful lot like, uh, the organization of blades in the dark, right? where yeah, there's absolutely. like different locations and NPCs and factions that are provided in kind of like, here's a little bite-sized thing. Like everything you need to know about this thing is right here so that you can, the, the GM can move quickly and easily minimum of hassle from one thing to another. Um, so that's something like, you know, we, we, we've talked a great deal about how complex a, the GMing of a heist can be. I think that, you know, the GMing tools and the GMing section of a heist game deserve like significant time spent and care put into them. You could, you could design a game mechanic or use a licensed game mechanic or whatever. That's pretty straightforward. It's like, you're just looking to see if you get success or failure, you know, success with complications or whatever. Um, and then the, the, the real guts of everything could just be the way that everything is organized and controlled and in the way the GM can make the game happen. Then there's, I want to throw this out there <laughs> because this is a game design. It, it, it can be a game design thing if you choose to include it is the heist trope of the characters are going along. They're doing their thing. Success, success, success. Somebody fails at something. Suddenly they're in a bind. And then they say, oh, but I planned for this Yes, flashback, flashback. to nice. something happening that suddenly gives the players the advantage um, in a situation again. And then the villain that they're up against, that they're stealing from says, ah, but I anticipated that. And so I planned for this. And then something else happens. And, you know, th that can get out of hand very, very quickly. If you want to see how badly it can get out of hand, watch a Mor Rick and Marty episode called One Crew Over the Cuckoo's Marty, which is uh, an episode long, uh, just tear down of that trope going wild, <laughs> just going so ridiculously <laughs> off the rails as Rick and his nemesis are constantly saying, but I planned for this. So I did this and it gets more and more complex, but in the game, in the game, that's, that's a useful 
trope and it's a fun little thing that people recognize from heist media it's it it can be invoked by different players at different game during different games so it can be like the shining moment for this player this time and that player that time and it's we enjoy it watching it on a in a movie or something because we don't know it's coming and then the thing happens and we're like ah very clever um and we have a little bit of an enjoyment moment and the you know in the game and it, it does seem kind of contrived contrived in in a game where the players are making the decision in the moment be like oh, i'm going to save my own ass by making something up but it's only that for the person who's making it up for all the people who are listening to that person say oh we did this it's the same as watching a movie where you're suddenly being revealed this cool little thing like oh we saw this you know this potential problem coming and we dealt with this thing um, and you can have one or two of those in a given game and you can have a point system that people spend or it's a great use um, of like the hero or around or just rotated around yeah. from from person to person in different games like every session to be like okay this 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 game session you're the one who gets to save your bacon you know you get to play the save your bacon card um, so at here, some point here's a fun twist <laughs> I like to put on that though have that but they can only use it to save someone else Ooh, there you go you can only use it for like the teamwork element yep. yes. or you have to or you can save yourself but you have to give something up in the process you have to uh, yeah, lose something like the the point being to, is to make it a bit less selfish right is to right. force that teamwork interaction where you want the the characters to actually have to work together um and may, maybe like like each other or something you know that's always nice but um because uh, I, I know for me, I always try and emphasize the you're part of a team. Um, so I'm always looking for ways to make the party invested in helping each other. And I want to mention it's not strictly a heist game, but you can certainly do heists. Um, and we can you can use the structure of the heist that we're talking about, like we talked about back in jamming that not all heists are specifically stealing something. Um, there's a game called Time Watch that does uh, that sort of save your bacon moment, but with the time travel twist and they totally bill and Ted it where you can in the game be like, oh, like they're getting away in the plane and all we have are pistols and we can't shoot a plane down, but we need a rocket launcher. Well, when this is all over and we've won, I'm going to travel back in time and put a rocket launcher in that shed. And then they go over to the shed and there's the rocket launcher and they can use it. And there's mechanics around how you can make that happen. But you know, you can, that, that you can have that too if you if you want to get into the time travel side of things um it's it's really just a a, a variation on the the flashback it's just a flash for it's a flash forward to a flashback i think for sure like when you're doing those flashbacks there there does need to be some sort of complication or or twist on it so it's not just a tool that can be used freely at any moment otherwise that's just i mean I guess you could make a game of people just BSing and saying, yeah, but I already planned for this. And you could end up having something like that Rick and Morty episode that you mentioned, Craig. But <laughs> but really thinking about if it does not go with their initial plan, there should be some, some twist on it. Or if the opposite of that being like, if you don't allow them to plan a lot, having a really good moment, there should be some sort of like, like if they do a really good job of setting something up, there should be a reward for that. Um, but anytime that they're trying to save their ass or save somebody else's ass, there should be some sort of boundary, some sort of limit. And I think that go that goes into a, a, a broader point, just um, as part of the, the design of recovery mechanics. Um, because you anticipate that things are going to go wrong, 
it's very, very important to have off ramps and uh, recovery mechanics built into that as well. Um, you want to have ways for the characters to salvage an otherwise unsalvageable situation. So that's what things like the the get out of jail free card, basically that I'm going to save my bacon or save an ally's bacon, um, and like things like that. Um, it's very important to also incorporate that because like, yes, things are going to go wrong, but ultimately the hope is that the party will walk away with the prize. Or at least get to it like. at some or, point. Right. It's not fun if the heist ends, they get captured two steps into the museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unless the intent of the heist is actually a jailbreak, which that can also be fun. <laughs> I, I had an idea for a mechanic um, regarding that sort of thing which is you could you could accomplish it in a number of ways and it depends on the system how you want to handle it but basically the idea was that you can have we're calling it the save your bacon card like you can have a certain number of save your bacon cards available in an adventure but the players don't know how many they know they have at least one but they may have more but they may not so that can make for an interesting um gameplay experience um if you design to that end where the players are like well, we can save our butts once and somebody goes and uses it kind of early in the heist <laughs> um, because so, something went really, something went really poorly, something went really poorly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and then there could be like, oh, there's more, uh, you know, they, they get to another impasse where they've got a problem and, you know, okay, we're going to, I'm going to try to use the, uh, the next save your bacon. It's like, oh, you don't have one. And you could also have it escalate. You could have be like, oh, there's more in the pool. You don't know how many there are, but every time you use one, the like you'll get you'll get out of this situation but there's going to be some sort of a downside and it's going to be worse every time so you can press your luck but you're going to be dealing with more and more wor- you know, and worse and worse complications the consequences don't have to come into play during the heist either right. because a heist can go off well you can get the big old diamond at the end but <laughs> there if you're continuing the game if it's longer than just a one shot there's going to be heat. There's going to be consequences down the road. You're going to make new enemies. Nobody wants to fence that diamond off of you because yes. everybody knows that you did it and it's hot and like everybody's getting looked at. The cops are watching everybody who's trying to, who fences diamonds. Like it might thus be in a heist, like the second part of that adventure. I, I just put a giant like airship battle against the, against <laughs> the king's pet dragon. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> and now get away. Yeah, the getting away part after you have it in your possession, that could be where all of the complications from the heist come into play. Like things can go well, you can solve all these problems now, but you're making the escape worse, you're making the heat worse, you're making, you're just, you're just delaying your consequences, you are not ending them. Uh, I actually ran that adventure once and that was exactly what happened is that they pulled it off without a hitch. But... <laughs> dragon <laughs> right um as a, as a as the designer you can prepare the players in the gm for that by by providing multiple outlines of how things can go like here's that that'd be a, totally a worthwhile subsection in the gm's guide is like here's here's 15 outlines of how the heist can go and one of them is like well boom 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 everything's done we're good and now escape is a bear and escape is a real big problem or the, you know, the aftermath of like getting, or you, you know, you discover that like you're, you're now on the run, like your, your, your employer is gone, disappeared. The cops are on your tail. 
and it becomes like an on the run thing. And like, there's, you, you could, you could provide like just example outlines and that, that would help GMs to be like, okay, now I've got a lot of different ways I can mix it up. I can make sure I'm using kind of slightly different approaches um, for different games so that it's not always just like, oh, we go, we run into some trouble, we steal a thing, we have a twist, we get out, we deal with some aftermath and then rep- repeat. Um, also in the planning things, having having certain parts of your design be kind of predictable um, is also actually, in my opinion, a very good thing. Um, I, I take this actually from a excellent video game that I very much enjoy uh, called Shadow Tactics Blades of the Shogun, where they have Basically, it's a compound and you need to murder someone usually. Um, So you can go through it and there are guards and all of the guards have very specific visual identifiers as to what they are, what what they will do and how they will act like guards and straw hats will not leave their post ever. Um, Samurai are basically super, super hard to kill. They can they can see through disguises and all of that. Um, So if if you are running, if you are running a long running heist campaign, you can start to use familiar aspects um, to give players kind of an expectation of how things will work and have them plan and improvise around that. Like, for example, if there's this like guard, uh, private, a private guard service or hired, if they see these guards, then the players know immediately these, this is what they carry. This is their capabilities. These are the things they try and do. Um, and then you, as the GM, know that you've got kind of an easy script that you can run through. And that can still, even within that, cause complications. But having that expected and predictable factor in your adventure um, lets you focus in more on the more the more interesting details, like the unique NPCs, um, while always kind of knowing how these this particular guard or whatever is going to react, because they're the, this... They're the same kinds of folk. They've got the same basic training. So they're always like, you've got the routine for them. You know, they can move kind of like a computer program and then you can focus more, you can focus in more on like the complex stuff. That allows you as the designer in the place of the GM, because the GM is ultimately going to do this to then shift the player's focus to the things that are going to be uh-huh. really interesting and not not be like, okay, we've, we're, we're describing everything with the same level of detail and complexity uh-huh. and you don't know what like you should be paying attention to as being potentially problematic. Yeah, um, this where, visual indicator, right? It's like, there yeah. are three Acme guards here and the players <laughs> may be like, okay, three Acme guards, got it. Their equipment sucks. <laughs> They're idiots. They're and... all coyotes. Right, yeah. <laughs> But then you'd be like, and now there there are four Terratron guards, and they're like, oh crap, these guys have the like these guys are on infrareds, whatever. Um, they're they're obstacles, um, and that's what I think a lot of guard guard types should be. Um, the non major NPCs, the non major things, is it should be obstacles. And obstacles, you should be able to just at a glance tell what's going on with them, especially if your characters are these like professional thieves, right? They should be able to walk into a room and look at all the obstacles and identify them correctly. <laughs> the guard version of a pit trap. Is it a 10 right, foot exactly. pit or is yeah. it a 20 foot pit with spikes? <laughs> yeah. You should be able to walk in a room and look at it and be like, I at least know what it can do. How I'm going to handle it, we'll figure out. But um, having that predictability <laughs> is, is nice. Like it can't be all unpredictable because then it just kind of spirals endlessly out of control. 
I was um, bringing up the rules for the only heist game I've ever created. It was one of our earlier mini games that we made. Um, and we have it set up. And I, I thought that this was right, but it's been like several years since I made this game and really looked at it. Um, if you fail a role in this game, you make things complicated, not for yourself, but for everybody else on your team who takes a move after you. You you continue to make things harder and harder, the worse you personally do at your job. And that's just another way to, to increase the complications of something without changing the plan overall, um, which can make things a little easier to... Um, when you're running a game so you don't have to like throw in a complication yourself the players are creating all of them on their own um really letting the players set the scene that way can can help and providing mechanics for that can help too i i want to make another heist game right now i'm, I'm thinking about it <laughs> i actually ended up accidentally i guess making a heist based game when i was um i i took part in a um it was a kind of a design uh iron iron chef type design contest and just bit where like you get prompts from the crowds kind of as you go and you need to figure out what you're doing with all of these prompts so i made a i made a heist game about like an evil necromantic drink and trying to knock over their facilities i like that i like that yeah, it was called like Necroburst, and it's like this magic drink that eventually makes people immortal, but also addicted. So you need to like take out the, um, take out the installation facilities, and uh, because also it's made of people, of course, of course, of course, souls specifically. Um, uh, so I feel like that's so, worse. <laughs> yeah, so you gotta kind of like heist it, and because of all of these weird elements, like. Uh, that one of the things I got for my roster was like, uh, the number 13 doesn't exist. So I used a dice pool system and it's like, if you roll a 13 exactly, uh, you get a singularity effect and then you need to roll 13 more dice, but <laughs> even positive odd negative. So you will either dramatically succeed or dramatically fail, uh, which like, see, like that's always going to favor the NPCs because the dramatic fail can be a real big failure. So, um, it it was it was wild. It was a lot of fun. Like my magic system was like concrete and rebar and stuff like that. Um, we did it in kind of like a I don't think it was like a three hour thing. I was like, I guess this turned into a heist game. Oops. I love a combination though. Uh, uh, not just this isn't just a heist game. This is a heist slash cooking competition game. Right, yeah, this absolutely. is a heist, but also there's ghosts. Like all of these, like the the setting elements that you can do within a heist game can really make your game stand out. Because like, there's a everyone likes heists. I feel like everyone likes heists. They're fun. They're popular. They're in the zeitgeist. Um, so if you are designing a game and you mean it to be published and sold yours has to stand out in some way, especially when you have a huge behemoth with Blades in the Dark out there in, in publishing. Um, what's going to make your game unique and make people want to play yours specifically? That's the thing too. It's like, it's so hard to mess these up. So like, like, and that's, I think, probably why we don't see a lot of games that are dedicated to the heist is it's so easy to mess up a heist design 
um, if you don't get the elements just right, uh, it can, something can accidentally be impossible and that's on you as a designer and no one's going to want to buy that because you didn't, you didn't balance it exactly right or you didn't set it up exactly right. So it's a challenge. Like heists are very satisfying, but because you're also adding the, the active gameplay element, right? It's not, it's not a narrative thing where you know in advance what's going to happen because you're writing a story for a movie um, because there is that unpredictability and that dice element uh, mm -hmm. you have that much more work to do to make it an ultimately satisfying experience not just the unpredictability of the dice element but the unpredictability mm -hmm. of what your players are going to see and do when they sit in front of you you can never predict their actions and no one should try <laughs> a big a big behind the screen trick by the way is having certain things just always succeed if you really need that to succeed to to get it like don't do that too often because players will start to figure that out if if like they're rolling a two and they're still getting through something but uh having things where you know that they're just like this is something that they're gonna clear um is good and then for example if like you know they're gonna clear and they roll a one um just be like interesting write something down on a piece of paper and then tell them that it looks like it worked uh, and then they'll be on edge for the rest of it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Liana, do you have any final thoughts about heists? Planning. Like, that's just it. <laughs> it's like, I, I, wish, I wish I had an easier answer. But like, if you want to run a heist adventure, and I, I highly recommend it because they're a lot of fun. But it's a lot of work to set up. Um, it's very rewarding. But you will be very busy. Well, thank you for joining us. It's time that thank we make our getaway. Me. Tell us about <laughs> where we can find you on the internet and where we can find your games. Uh, yeah, so I am uh, at Valeriana on Twitter for however long that site continues to be functional. Uh, you can find uh, our website, uh, valerisgames.com, um, I'm, which I'm hoping to revamp this year because uh, it's a bit it's a bit dated. And uh, yeah, please check out Valor. We do a lot of fun stuff, uh, especially if you like anime and getting rewarded for screaming. <laughs> I, I love that every time you say that. It's very good. Uh, you can find me on Twitter too. For, in the meantime, at, at Jessica or on Tumblr at, at Jessica. Or you can find me on TikTok at Jess is Awful. And you can find my games at wannabegames.com or on itch or drive through RPG under the same name. My only heist game is called So Here's the Plan, and it's available for free. And it, I haven't taken a look at it in a long time, but there is a map of where you can steal the, uh, it's a map of the National Archives, so you can steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, fine. <laughs> um, I'm at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter. Uh, the website is nerdburgergames.com. Uh, my games are up at DriveThruRPG. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to sit down and finish the layout for a supplement for Die Laughing called Die Laughing 2 Die Laughinger. So <laughs> um, I'm, I, I got something to work on tomorrow. I took it easy over the holidays, but I'm back to work. Yeah, it's about time aren't for- we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is Avel by Steph Sachs, licensed under Creative Commons. And thank all of you for listening and we'll see you back here next time. Bye. Bye-bye.